namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa buddhang dhammang sankhang namasami So this is the observance day, and in our Pali calendar there are two more weeks in the hot season. And the next Uposita, the next observant would be the full moon, and it'll be the end of the hot season and the beginning of the rains in India. But this is the convention we observe, so uh, to the next fortnight we begin the rains retreat, the Vasa, which is a traditional time for us. And the, the observance day is something that um, we call it observance day. It's kind of a day where we, we it's like a piano being retuned, getting in tune again. Piano gets out of tune, you can get the guy that tunes pianos to come in and tune it up. And in a sense, that's, that's one of the things we, we try to do in our community, is that we, we come together each fortnight in a, in a very ritualized way, in a very special way. Lay people take the uh, eight precepts, those who want to, uh, the monks. Earlier we uh, listened to the Patimokha, Venerable Sleiko did. And this is a, it's a kind of highly ritualized uh, uh, occasion. And, and the ritual is really up to us how we how we engage that ritual, how we use it, how we make sense of it. Um, so it can be just sort of religious ritual, you have to do it, parrot talk kind of thing, or one could put as much meaning as one wants to into it. And so the the sense of it for me is that we are all we're all strong individuals. Uh, we come to this life with quite strong purpose, and um, we're not fools. You know? Our minds can do foolish things sometimes, but we have we have a lot of integrity and um, determination just to live this life, to do this. And how do uh, how do a group of strong individuals then do it together as a community? What's the point of community? Is there any value in it? The liberation of the heart from suffering is the, the goal of our Buddhist practice. And no community can be enlightened. Only individuals can be enlightened. No community can be peaceful. Only individuals can be peaceful. No, no community can be harmonious. Only individuals can be harmonious. Um, but... We are social beings, and community can be very, very helpful if done well. And the Buddha recommended that we undertake a life of community, and that our teachers and elders have suggested this particular way that we do community, and then the nuance in Ontario, Perth, is this particular way of doing it. There are many ways to do it. Um, and and so the observance day is a way of, of remembering that commitment we have to 
a communal way of operating, and yet within it, we have to respect each other's individuality, that we as individuals see this path differently. Uh, so some, just you know, listening to the, what monks are inspired by, and inclined to some monks are very inspired by the paranormal, psychic abilities that monks apparently have. Other monks are skeptical of that, not interested, think it's a distraction. Uh, some monks are very um, hand-oriented. Some monks are really intellectually oriented. Some have uh, a lot of physical strength and power. Some, their health isn't so strong. They have certain kind of limitations physically, and so on and so forth. Some are older, some are younger. And we, we bring this, uh, these individual preferences and uh, strengths and weaknesses um, to the community and then try to live together in harmony. Mm-hmm. Harmony is, was, was, uh, is much praised in our tradition, like any tradition really, by our elders, by the Buddha. And harmony is, is, is not the goal. The goal is freedom from suffering. But harmony can be a part of the vehicle, and a part of the method, a part of the way we do that. And how do we, how do we foster harmony? Well, we do this. We come together, we chant, we sit, we do things uh, as individuals, we do them as a group. And within that, I think what happens over the years is um, we get a sense of common purpose, uh, a sense of common aspiration, which is beyond the individuality, beyond the quirks uh, uh, and, and, and uh, personality characteristics each of us have. We kind of go beyond that to, to the sense of, yeah, you're, you're in this for the same reason I am. You're different than me. Your preferences are different than mine. But you're in it for the same reason, freedom from suffering. And so, hopefully, over, over time, living together like this, we develop a, a respect for each other, which is beyond simply um, intimacy, kind of intimate friendships that are based upon aesthetic preferences or personality types. And asses themselves isn't really based on intimacy. Sometimes we have close friendships, undoubtedly, but it's not really based on that kind of uh, intimacy of, of um, intimacy of heart that we can get sometimes. It's something, something different than that. And I think that's, that's the sense of a common respect for common purpose. Something, I think, bigger, bigger than intimacy. And, and so we, 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 like, we chatted the Patimokha, <clears throat> and we we reflect uh, on a common standard which is not based upon our our meditation practice. Our meditation practice. Each of us sees this differently. You know, some 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 monks really like to do a lot of some of the practice. Uh, some some don't. Some uh, are. You know, some are gregarious, some are very private, and a lot of differences individually. But there are, there are common ways that we agree upon uh, to live together, which are beyond those preferences we have for 
uh, a type of teacher or a type of practice. And those are the very human values of respect, of deference to elders, commitment to communal schedules, forgiveness, honoring a sense of purpose another has rather than just their personality, patience with the different kinds of karma that each has ever experienced. And these these very beautiful human virtues and human values are not really based on meditation technique. They're just good good solid human values. And and the Vinaya and the suttas are, are, are emphasizing that. In the Metta Sutta or the different uh, recommendations we get about right speech, uh, sharing of resources, diligence in the scheduling that we have, um, conversing with each other about what we're going to do rather than just being going off on a tangent and doing our own thing. And this takes a, a certain amount of self-surrender, doesn't it? A certain, and, and that self-surrender is very beautiful, very, very beautiful. And when we, when we, uh, when we reflect in this way, then we begin to be carried by a vehicle. The vehicle um, carries us uh, because we have this sort of common sense of momentum in the way we're going to operate, and and that's very very helpful, very helpful. And because it's a vehicle which isn't designed by any one of us although each of us has some inputs into it. Uh, I have considerable inputs, but not that much. But because it's something bigger than even my sense of what I'd like to do, um, there is, it is something that we can surrender to. We can put our egos down and give ourselves to that. And I think that's rare. I think that's rare. So it's not that we always like it, or that we're always inspired, or that we even think it's the best, uh, best place to practice. But it is a, it is a common place to practice. It's a common place to to reflect and be mindful in, and that that is of great value. That's of great value, because the 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 ethos of the place is not about consumption or, or competition, or productivity even, or efficiency or uh, all of those worldly things which have importance but it's about our willingness to observe ourselves within community and work on the path of liberation from suffering so the values are different than worldly values certainly we have we live in worldly values so we still have to have some sense of efficiency and there still has to be some productivity if they get things done if the people in the kitchen didn't get the meal done by 11.30, we'd be in trouble. So certainly there's those, but uh, you know, it's not about that. It is and it isn't. Uh, it is a kind of higher value in it, and that's, that's lovely. It's a lovely thing. And all of us are, are, are uh, uh, as we live this life, we're all also dealing with our own karma karma in terms of our, the sort of the accumulated consequences of where we've been, where we were before we came here, in, in whatever time span you want to calculate that in. And the accumulated consequences of my childhood and my adolescence and so on uh, 
those consequences we call vipakakama, the resultant karma of the intentions I made, the actions I did, the things I got involved in, and voila, this is my mind now. This is the way I respond and react and such like. And those responses and reactions aren't always very pretty. It's not like one can, it comes into this life and feels, oh, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, I want to do this forever. Just, sorry, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes, sometimes we feel very inspired. Sometimes our practice goes really, kind of really, we feel strong and confident and, and yes, this is really good. And other times it's just, uh, it's really hard. It's a drag. It's boring. Uh, uh, we don't like the Pali. We get into these, more possibly so-called morbidio inferiori, these kind of valleys of, of negativity and, and boredom and I don't like it. And those are important. Just marriage must be like that. I've never been married. Vocation must be like that. Where it's not about being high and inspired and liking it all the time. It's using the vehicle to watch oneself within the peaks and troughs of any existence. And that capacity to watch the peaks and troughs and be aware of them as change takes us to peace. And quite often the the more difficult troughs take us to the deepest peace, fortunately. If we're mindful, if we're not mindful, they just take us down into even deeper pits of despair. And and the vehicle then in, in those difficult times, those times of self-doubt or, or aversion to the whole poly system or the community or self-aversion, the community carries us through that. So sometimes uh, one doesn't feel strong, and other times one does feel strong. So when one feels strong, we really give ourselves to it, we put energy into it, and we, we display energy and vitality in all the ways we can. And then those who don't have the energy, vitality, feel down or are dragging themselves around, they're carried, they're carried by that. And then we, in turn, don't have the vitality. We get, caught up in whatever karma we have and get confused and then others carry us. That's beautiful. That's lovely. So the, the thing about monastic life is that the Vinaya doesn't ask of us a certain mood. It's not like we, the Rule 206 says that you shall be happy. It's not about that. Uh, rules do say, yeah, let's be respectful to each other. Let's listen, let's practice right speech. But I don't have to like it. I don't have to like being here, which is a relief. It's a real relief. Because then the feelings of dislike can be known as just feelings. The feelings of not being inspired can be known as just that. And this is where the strength comes. And this is where you need tremendous patience, where you, where the mind just does, does not want to engage with this. It's just just doesn't want to go there and, and you just yeah this is what it feels like not to be inspired not to not to really want to hang out with your brothers this is what it feels like not to want to go to morning meditation or evening meditation I just reading that sutta you could you know sometimes I, I look at a sutta like that and I feel really inspired sometimes I think oh, that's a bit bummer isn't it that's a pretty harsh sutta now if I was 
if I had some kind of ideal that I should always feel inspired by all the words of the canon and always feel really motivated and so on, then I'd feel guilty for, for reading something and think, well, I don't really like that. But if I could just see that in, in reading a sutta, I like it, I don't like it, I feel inspired, I don't feel inspired, I just know that, well, that's a response, a reaction that rises and ceases, then I'm on the path of awareness of change. And then it's all right. Then it's all right. And no, and no life can no life can be lived in in, in uh, constant inspiration. No life can be lived in constantly liking each other all the time. But we can respect each other, and we can do that. And that's what we do. We do it quite well. I think we do that quite well. And so the 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 pettiness of of, of human culture um, doesn't really have much traction in a monastery. Certainly, we can feel petty. Uh, but the pettiness of, of wrong speech or the pettiness of inappropriate action, uh, we don't act that out, we don't speak it out. And so there's a kind of gladness to our life, not, not, in term, not in that kind of way of inspiration, but in a very little, little just the little ways of being respectful and, and, and being diligent and taking care of the place in a very small ways. And this this says a, this has a cumulative uh, value. So the vipaka kama of living this kind of a life, living with a, a life of uh, intentional mindfulness, uh, is is a mind which then begins to just abide in peaceful coexistence with the way things are. A mind of upeka, uh, not because it's been forced on us, but because we've been willing to endure both the the difficulties and the doubts and the aversions that we inevitably have, and then use the inspirations and times of power to to make ourselves more strong. So the very the very arising of the defilements in the mind, this is natural. How could it be otherwise? The, the fearfulness we have, like I, I notice with myself, the people will be like will come to me in a in a respectful but quite often fearful way because I'm the authority figure. I'm actually, as I was saying earlier, I'm quite a maternal kind of guy. You know, not to you know, perceive myself as being heavy duty, but people will have like fear, fear of authority figures. And that's quite natural. So what what do we do with that? Well, we live within a respectful framework and look at like fear of authority fear of being criticized, um, uh, fear of, 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 of whatever social fears that we have as human beings. But it's safe. You know, it's a safe environment to feel fear. And that's a good thing, that you'll be able to, fear so, to, to feel social fears uh, and, and know it's safe. It's okay to feel fear. This is very valuable, very, very valuable. Whether it's giving a Dharma talk or chanting the Patimoka or just speaking into a group, if one's never done that before, one's always lived in one's own sort of situation, all of a sudden one has to do that, fear comes up. But the beauty is you still get fed tomorrow. You know, you won't lose your job. Um, you still have the requisites. And you can look at fear. You can look at social fear. Or the other one, maybe, person, another kind of person, maybe has some more kind of 
um, domineering, strong character, and you can look at that. There were different kind of character traits come up. But the vehicle that we have is something we just sit in, we watch. And we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, like we can't even change positions in the seating. You know, if you're, you are where you are. You can't get the window seat yet. You get the window seat when you're a bit older, okay. So right now, like, uh, Samaneri Kema, he's in the back seat, squeezed between two fat monks. <laughs> he can't, he can't get out, he's the junior member. And I get the front seat, I get the window seat. <laughs> but I, I sat between the two fat monks in the back seat. I got squeezed. So there is there is this sort of beautiful uh, chance, this is a lovely chance to just get to give up. Well, this is where I am in this situation. This is hierarchy. This is what I do. And there's a freedom in that, isn't there? There's the freedom to observe rather than to just always, I want a better seat. I want the window. I don't want to sit in the middle. Remember, I used to have that as a kid. I don't know. I don't want this. You know, you just fight for the window seat. No, you just have the seat you have. And 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 seeing that the giving up to that, you know, giving up. You have the requisites. You have the schedule. You have the vinaya, and have the responsibilities within that. And just giving up to that and watching, okay, how is this going to affect me today? What's going to happen to my mind? Uh, inspiration on it. Not even trying to get the mind inspired. Even get, you, you kind of go beyond that, don't you? You know, you kind of get inspired. Oh, this is great, great, great. You run with that for a while. You proliferate on that. And then your mind crashes. Oh, this is the pits. I'm not getting anywhere in my practice. And then it gets inspired again. And you watch those cycles, inspiration, disappointment, inspiration, disappointment. You watch those cycles, you say, well, it can't be that. Liberation cannot be inspiration, because inspiration is, is, is contingent. You have all the conditions right for inspiration. So rather than, and then you feel disappointed, rather than chasing inspiration, something intuitive in you says, no, 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 I, I went to inspiration, and it took me to this to this disappointment. What if I just stay with the disappointment? And you begin to see the problem is not the mood of the mind. The problem is the craving around the mood of the mind. The problem is not the disappointment or the down that I happen to have to experience right now. That's not the problem. It's the craving to have the inspiration, the craving to have the high. And that insight takes a while. It takes a few cycles of up and down, up and down, up and down. But after a while, so it's all right. It's just a valley. It'll change. The valley will become a hill. And you begin to see that the strength of the practice is not in feeling uh, in like that I love it all the time, but it's the strength to know that love and hate come and go. And that which knows love and hate is peace. It's beyond love and hate. And that... That insight is hard won. That's a really hard insight. It takes, takes a lot of um, endurance. And that's, of course, when we quite often, monastic life, we see you know, a monk gets to a certain point and there's nothing working, heart's not open. It's all kind of a dry, dry, arid uh, desert, and it's a time to go. And we also hang in, hang in there. It's no time to go. It's a, you know, on the other side of the hill, it's more green or whatever. 
But the, the capacity to know something which is not inspiring as something is changing, what is that? How do you have to do that? You have to move beyond thought. You have to know the mood before you start to think about it. Just as inspiration is a kind of energetic form, so is disappointment. It's a kind of energetic form. And that creates thought, certain types of thought, inspiring thought, non-inspiring thought, bored thought. But to, to be able to know a mood before it, it runs off into thought. And what is the thought? The thought's always self, ego, isn't it? Self-thinking, I-making, my-making. And to know a mood, to be able to see, oh, this is a mood of disappointment, and not run with the thoughts. And that's a kind of samadhi. That's a kind of strength and energy and, and vitality to know a mood before it goes into thought. And then, and then you find, you, you feel it in your body, you feel it as an energetic form, but you refuse to run with the thinking. You refuse to get reborn into that through thought. And this is, this is practice. This is bhavana. And uh, the understanding of that and the doing of that, and the patience of that, again and again and again, leads to the cessation of this need to become a person, this need to reformulate your life again and again and again into some kind of structure that seems to be really good this time around. There's no need to become anymore. So the end of becoming is quite often seen through the death cycle, through the ending of something. Yeah, that sounds very depressing but just think about it you get you get inspired right you run with this version now and now my practice is really working we all do that you know yeah I've really got it I've got it sussed I've got insight Samadhi's going real smooth yeah I'm there now and something happens you're you get a foot infection or you get the flu practice falls apart as it were whatever you define as practice and all of a sudden that vitality is not there is disappointment, and then if you if you, if, if I've attached to inspiration, then I'll also attach to disappointment. My mind, my thoughts run with that. So with the inspiration, now I've got it, now I've made it, now I'm there. I run with those thoughts. Then its opposite comes. Oh, this is pathetic. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm hopeless basket case. And then and then It's the same thinking. It's I thinking, my making, and in that in that down cycle. In that down cycle, what we do is then when we seek a rebirth, we seek another. So we read something, we do something, uh, and then we get reborn again. Now, if we're, if, we're, if we're clinically depressed, we need to do that. Hopefully we're not, which is sort of garden variety disappointed. And if we, if, if we see that, then we say, well, well what, what if I this time I just stay with disappointment? Why don't I just hang in with that? What does disappointment really, really feel like this time before running to the inspiration, running away? And I, you know, and this is a maturity of practice. So I just stay with that, that feeling of yuckiness and, and I just stay with it. What's it really like? Before I make comment about it, that it's right or wrong and I seek something other, some kind of compensation and distraction. I just stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. And what I notice is now I'm not following desire. I'm not following desire. I'm noticing something unpleasant, extremely unpleasant. I stay with it and stay with it, stay with it, and it ceases. And now I'm beginning to touch what we mean by the unconditioned. A, a peacefulness now which is not conditional upon inspiration or disappointment. It's not dependent upon inspiration or disappointment. It's not contingent upon inspiration or disappointment. 
It's the freedom to see both arise and cease. And that's a surprising kind of freedom. That's a surprising kind of peace. And what it is, as you'll notice, it's the mind now doesn't need anything. It's not needy. You know, it's all right. It, 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 it has a kind of transcendent distance from this movement. And the movement becomes less important. It's not, it's not compelling anymore because I've been through the cycles of birth and death. And there's a great beauty in that. And, and, the, and the beauty is then the responsiveness of the mind to people, to nature, whatever, now. It doesn't come from a need to, 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 to be distracted. It comes from the natural freedom of the mind to respond with compassion, to respond with kindness, to respond with peace, to see beauty as it arises, to be patient with ugliness as it arises. Uh, and it's marvelous. And that's not something that's constructed. It's not something that's constructed. It's something that, that is realized through the letting go of desire, third noble truth. Very mature kind of thing to do. And when we are in the valleys, then it kind of, kind of seems uh, this doesn't work. So to, 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 to see the valleys as being actually, there's value in that. There's value in that. If you can be mindful, especially of thought. That's very, very important. So I'll leave that for your reflection. Namayang <coughs> <coughs>